President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, and Dina Zaman, a Malaysian journalist and co-founder of Iman Research. This is She Talks Peace. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of She Talks Peace. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, greeting you from Manila, and a very special greeting to new listeners, Dina. Uh, from Lebanon and from Egypt. So my co-host is here. Hi, salam everyone. I'm Dina from Iman Research Malaysia. Welcome. Thank you to all our new listeners, our current listeners. Your your support is they mean a lot to us. Amina, we've been around for almost a year, right? Almost. Yep. Yeah, including including the taping. Although officially we launched um, August. During the ASEAN well, Day, but we started in May, right? All the taping, I think. Yeah, all the taping. Yeah. Oh, how time flies! How time flies! I know. How? What's going on in Manila? Sorry, everyone. Feeling a bit under the weather. Delayed reaction to the Pfizer booster. So yeah, I mean, what's happening in Manila? Well, when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So far, so good. And political leaders are ramping up their uh, rhetoric for the coming elections. And uh, it looks like the, the lead contender is uh, the son of the former president of the Philippines, Ferdinand E. Marcos, um, who was the well, shall we say, the uh, brains behind martial law. Uh, second, and uh, gaining ground is um, the vice president, uh, Lenny Robredo. And then you've got, uh, well, I kind of a little bit behind, but uh, you have uh, Senate, uh, Senator Laxon and the mayor of uh, Manila, Isco Moreno, who's... Um, former movie star. So this is going to be quite uh, fascinating uh, watching the developments um, in in our politics. You know, Dina, the young ones uh, in, in Manila and uh, in the Philippines, many of them, especially those who are you know, 
very savvy in social media are really taking to the internet and posting their support either for uh, Bongbong Marcos or for Lenny uh, Robredo. It's quite interesting what they do uh, with their TikToks and uh, yeah, Instagram with their memes. So this is going to be quite uh, fascinating. What about Malaysia? What's uh, what's your update about uh, Muda and the other groups there? I think everyone's a bit quiet because we all had a bit of a scare, right? Rightly or wrongly, whether you like Dr. Mahathir or not. So, mm. you know, it's all on Twitter, social media, the media, where his daughter, Marina Mahathir, the activist, has been asking everyone for prayers because he went in, I think, uh, for a procedure. Oh, my. Uh, he stabilized, but he's been going in and out. I mean, this is what I'm reading on social media, you know. He is 96. Right, but uh, I guess at this point right now, you know, everyone is doing a wait and see, you know, to see how he's doing. Two, I mean, uh, you know, there's no point talking about religion politics. We have one politician who said it's good to, you know, cut down uh, the jungle for timber because it's good for tigers. Don't ask me what the logic is. I mean, I've oh come my to goodness. the point like, <laughs> how much to be thick can we all? And, you know, and yeah, so I tried to cheer myself up, Amina, but I was talking to a friend who's a psychologist and she said, you know, it's not just about COVID in Malaysia. Mm. The long-term impact of this political charade that we're going through, it's not good for us as a nation. You know, that what it does to our brains, you know. So what else? What's been happening? Why have you been reading up, Amina? Well, first, and just to cheer you up, you know what's a good way of uh, getting really, really cheered up, Dina? Huh? Go on YouTube and look for the short videos on two subject matters. One, funny animals. And two, funny children. Last <laughs> night, my daughter was... Uh, showing us all these funny videos of babies and the crazy things that they do with their dads and babies sleeping with big dogs. And it's, it's enough to put a smile on your face and uh, lift your spirit. So those two things, Dina, watch the videos on funny animals and funny babies and, and yeah. children. I'm doing, I'm doing, but I think I've got to increase more of the videos. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, when, when I was watching those videos on, on kids, you know, I started uh, thinking about how terrible uh, COVID has, uh, has really been because the forced um, lockdown staying together for months and years uh, on end have been really terrible on, on children. So I started thinking about the issue of child protection. 
did you catch this news from Al Jazeera about what's going on in Indonesia? There's that um, a Christian priest. I don't know if he's Catholic or or non-Catholic uh, priest, but this guy, Benjamin Sitepu, right. 37-year-old priest, and he was the principal of a school, the Galilea Hosanna School in Medan. He was convicted of sexually assaulting six girls, but was given only a 10-year prison sentence instead of the maximum 15-year sentence that had been demanded by the families and the prosecution. And you know why they gave the guy a reduced sentence, Dina? Uh Because the presiding judge said the priest had apologized for his crime and had previously signed a settlement agreement with two of the (laughs) victim's families. Wow, Dina, does that happen in Malaysia? You commit a crime like this and oh, then you apologize and they can lessen your, you know, your, your sentence? That's amazing. <laughs> Amina, a lot happens in Malaysia. You know, we all have this roasted, you know, way of looking at each other's country. But we'll get back to that later. I mean, I uh, did you follow the news about the, the former Pope Benedict? Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was admitted to giving a false statement to a child sex abuse inquiry when he said he had mistakenly told investigators in Germany. He didn't attend a meeting in 1980 when he was the Archbishop of Munich. Yep. It seems then the Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger failed to take action against clerics in four cases of alleged uh, abuse. Wow. Yep, yep, yep. You know, this, those uh, abuses happen everywhere, everywhere. And I can't imagine how, according to the news also, Pope Francis said that uh, when he was, I guess, Archbishop in Latin America, that um, there was no abuse of, of children. And there are a lot of Catholic leaders who said, no, that's, uh, that's not true. So it looks like this issue is going to... Uh, to get a little bit more play in the media. But Dina, we really need stronger protection for our children, right? There are so many dangers that uh, threaten our children. There's, uh, you know, uh, trafficking and all that. But the thing is, some of these um, threats are largely preventable, like uh, an issue that's now really taking uh, center stage in ASEAN, child marriage. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to report to you that the Philippine Congress had actually passed a law on January 6, banning child marriage. So this law, Republic Act number 11596, wow, we've had that, those many laws, huh? <laughs> it imposes penalties on the facilitation and solemnization of child marriage and the cohabitation of an adult with a child outside of uh, wedlock. And violators can now face jail time up to 10 years and pay fines up to 50,000 pesos. I don't think that's much. That's just about 
a thousand dollars. So in ringgits, that's how much? Dina, a thousand dollars. A lot, a lot. But, wow, you know, yeah. but the, the, this is the thing, Dina. I mean, um, a survey was uh, conducted and seems like globally, the Philippines ranks number 12. I didn't know that. In the absolute number of child marriages. What about Malaysia? How are you doing? Well, you know, I shouldn't be speaking about this, but I'll just you know, touch a bit. Uh, we do have, uh, we do share similar issues. The people really she talks she talked to with Dr. Hartini Zaini cite as uh, YB right, Fadlina Siddiq, uh, Dr. Faranini Dusuki. These are the ones who actually talk. You know, these are child advocates. You know, mm. uh, I'm off Facebook for now because I thought, okay, I need this one. You know, for my well-being. But these are the country's foremost uh, child advocates who talk about things, and uh, it is very worrying, especially during COVID when. A lot of this thing, if we could talk about before publicly, before it's gone underground because you don't hear much. And there's a lot of other issues that we have to work on, you know. I mean, the profound effects of the pandemic, school closures, economic shocks, interruption yeah. of vital health services, the direct impacts of teenage pregnancy and subsequently child marriage. You yeah, know, yeah. you know, doing a part-time PhD. So, I've, you know, <laughs> you go back to school, you have to read a lot of papers, right? Yep. And it's just like a shock to me when you have educated women. Mm. And, you know, there was one who I thought her work was very good, right? And she comes from the medical perspective. And she says, no, you have to look at this. As a medical doctor, these are the things that we can protect our children. But there are also other women who are as educated as she, who are claiming all this, this child marriage, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, it's a liberal agenda. And I was shocked. Was a liberal right? liberal agenda? So I was shocked. I was, yeah. no, I'll email you that, that paper. And I was thinking, how can you think this? You're a mother. You're educated. Yeah. So it means that you see the clash of, look, I believe our women activists, doctors in Malaysia are very powerful. But you'll see that dichotomy between the ones who say, look, we have to help. Like the women I mentioned, you, just not Dr. Hartini, YB Fadlina. Then there's another section that says, oh, you know, this not this not pornography, this not this. There's no such thing as you know marital rape. So we're in a bit of a soup here, and I'm putting that mildly. Whoa, you know, I tell you, uh, you know, we has to be happy. I'll watch a lot of funny videos later. <laughs> Animals and babies, but but okay. Dina, you you do have a law that says um, you can marry only if you hit 18, right? Not practiced, maybe, but don't you have a law like that? We do, and there have been a few laws that have been, you know, uh, revised, revamped, and all that. People are pushing. I, I mean, look, I mean, uh, let's just look at uh, one, okay? Um, there's a NGO, right? Which mm. I think we have to put them on our, on our top. Basically, Malaysian women who are married to foreign nationals, right? Mm -hmm. They had to fight for so many years for the kids to have citizenship in Malaysia. Mm. So you see, the, 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 when you talk about children in Malaysia, you know, simple things like this where their rights are not protected because you married a foreign national, you should have married a Malay man, a Malaysian man. So mm. we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot. Absolutely. And, you know, I was really happy that uh, Congress passed the law 
And that President Duterte signed it, uh, signed it into law. And it seems that they signed it, he signed it in, in December or something like that. But this is the thing. When the law was passed, some Filipino Muslim leaders protested right. yeah. and asked the president to postpone, uh, if not you know, reject the law. But unfortunately for them, the president had already signed uh, the law. So I had posted on Facebook my support for the law. And my God, Dina, I received a ton of comments, both positive and negative. I had like, uh, I don't know, uh, by now, like 150 shares. And I didn't realize how much controversy my post would create. So I thought I should invite uh, at least one of those who gave really uh, valuable uh, opinions and shared their thoughts on uh, the child marriage law to our show. So why don't you bring her in, Dina? Yes, I'm just looking at the bio and wow, I'm impressed. I'm always impressed with all our guests, you know. And uh, okay, so I'm going to go straight to it because I know our listeners want to know what the meat of uh, our podcast is for this week. So today, everyone, we have Professor Captain Shurhana Espaiso, who's a military professor of psychology social anthropology, who was commissioned as a captain under the AFP Corps of Professors in October 2018. She's currently assigned as Civil Relations Services, AFP, as the Deputy Commander of the Center for Preventing and Countering Radicalization and Violent Extremism. Ooh. Prior to that, she was a Chief Information, Information Operations Research and Management Branch, as the Office of the Deputy Chief of Staff for Operations. She was first assigned to the Philippine Military Academy, where she taught psychology, logic, heavy, and values (laughs) program for the cadets, and has also been Chief Education Branch in the Office of Assistant Chief for Education, Plans and Programs. After a year, she was assigned to the Command and General Staff College under the AFP Education Training Doctrine Command, which is AFP's highest professional military educational institution, where she was designated as a head research and development department and a guidance counselor for the CGST uh, Class 66-68. Prior to joining the Armed Forces of the Philippines, she had been she's she was with the Faculty of Psychology Department, and she was a research advisor in the Lyceum of the Philippines University of Manila College of Arts and Sciences. This is a very powerful CV. So over to Captain Shurhana. Amina? Well, welcome to She Talks Peace, Captain Paiso. Or should we just call you Captain Hana? Sounds like a Marvel superhero. Captain Hana. <laughs> Anything you prepare, Mom. Nice to meet you, too. <laughs> Captain, uh, Captain Hana, what was it like teaching logic and psychology at the Philippine Military Academy? You know, that, Nina, that's where we train all of the potential leaders of the military in this country, the Philippine Military Academy. And there are not that many women teaching or studying. So what was it like, Hannah? 
Well, it's a man-dominated profession, the armed forces. But it's cool and it's challenging, you know, especially logic. It's a way to develop the critical thinking skills of the future military officers. So it's a very important subject. And psychology, of course, because they need to understand human in its individual level. So, Captain Shirhana, right? If you can just talk about, you know, how does this have this parallel into the work that you do when it comes to child protection? Hmm. Actually, ma'am, it has a lot of things to do with that because, you know, my work as a military officer is not just on teaching. It is also for research and also for um, collaborating with the stakeholders that are all related in and in keeping the peace. So anything that disrupts the peace would be a concern for the uh, armed forces of the Philippines. So, you know, children is a big part of our population. And in my um, in my experience as a military officer, we've seen how children are being exploited by terrorist organizations. So that is one thing that we want to prevent. That's why I have been transferred in this new office. Actually, ma'am, this is a very new office which I proposed and which is um, an effort on the part of the Armed Forces of the Philippines to be more on the proactive side rather than on the reactive side. So we want to prevent people from becoming a violent extremist and all that is related to uh, the process of radicalization, how to turn a civilian into a law-abiding citizen into an enemy of the state. So that is the focus of the study. That's why here we would really do a lot of researches. And after researching, we would turn that into policy and also put that uh, incorporate all the lessons that we've learned into the educational system. So it would be part of the Philippine military curriculum and also for those who are uh, not only officers, but enlisted personnel, and also all the stakeholders. So we also do lectures for the civilian population. So in my experience, there had been, I have personally witnessed children who had been exploited by the New People's Army as young as um, 10 years old. And then I have also encountered children who are from different indigenous cultures who uh, who are subjected to that type of marriage, the child marriage. So I think it's very important to incorporate the developmental psychology into analyzing how do these children really feel about their situation and whether or not their consent is valid because um, part of what I do is to be a, an expert witness explaining the science behind the brain of a child as compared to adult. Yeah, that's, that's really good to know, um, Captain Hana, because um, you remember. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When those Abu Sayyaf bombers, the suicide bombers in, in Holo were, were caught, and it seemed like young girls, uh, daughters of some Abu Sayyaf leaders were actually married off to secure the alliance with this, uh, with this uh, terrorist group. And uh, a couple of them were, were Indonesian. So I can really see how uh, this issue of uh, child marriage plays into what you're doing when you're looking at how do you prevent radicalization and um, violent extremism. So when, when, you, when you look at what the, the Philippine security sector is doing to prevent uh, violent extremism, do you see a lot of support? Is there a lot going on in education, etc.? On this particular issue, and I'm not, here, you know, you can also talk about what you're doing with child soldiers, with uh, young people who've been uh, recruited into violent uh, extremism, as well as uh, this very important issue of using marriage to get yes, uh, kids into violent extremist groups. Yes, ma'am. Actually, ma'am, this problem is not peculiar to Philippines alone. It is mm-hmm. a problem that is common to a lot of Muslim countries, especially mm-hmm. those who are under the Islamic State. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the, in my research, because I do field work, so I go to the field, I go to Mindanao to personally see and witness what is really going on and understand the phenomena. So I'm doing an exploratory research at the moment concerning about this matter. So on both sides, on whatever terrorist organization that is, kinship and marriage plays a big role into the cohesion management and loyalty management of the people. So in the same manner, that is how they exploit the children. They marry it off to those leaders to sustain the power and the loyalty of the family. Now, it doesn't become a secondary thing, but a primary obligation of each individual in that terrorist organization when it becomes a family member. So it's stronger ties. And most of the time, when it comes to Philippine setup, the Filipinos have a strong family ties. So the band is really stronger. Like we say, blood is thicker than water. So sadly, you know, poverty plays a role also in this issue. It's a multifaceted problem that cannot be solved alone by psychologists or social anthropologists. It cannot be. That's why this center aims to have a think tank that has, you know, multidisciplinary experts because right. we have to look at person holistically in all these aspects, dynamics on what influences his behavior into going into that particular direction. So based on my most recent field work, I found out that in the case of the Abu Sayyaf, Mm -hmm. some of the uh, people in Sulu, this is very sad for me to say, because of the poverty situation, some of those in the urban areas, in what they call the Gimba, which is more on the forested side of yes. the Sulu. Yes, we're in, it is really below the poverty line. Okay, The mm-hmm. poverty incidence rate is 75%. Mm-hmm. As for the Philippines, 
authority. So that's a very high poverty level. Because of that, some parents who are not uh, given an opportunity to study because of the they are in the places which we, which we call the geographically isolated and displaced areas where in, if you want to study you would have to walk miles and miles and yes. miles. so not yeah. person have the dedication and the the determination to really study because of that their literacy level is very low consequently the parents the parents who are <clears throat> uneducated uh, uneducated tend to prefer marrying of their daughters yes, to Abusayap. Right. Because even though Abusayap are considered as enemy of the state and as terrorist yeah. organization, in that area, in that impoverished area, they are the rich ones. So the when term. I interviewed yes, those fathers, they told me they'd rather marry off their daughters to an Abu Sayyab who has money, who has firearms, mm-hmm. who can protect them. You know, they have this very distorted notion of protection. That's yeah. why they would rather have an Abu Sayyab to be their son-in-law rather than a drug addict, rather than a farmer, rather than someone who has very low income. So it is very sad, but that is one of the situation. And that is one of the push factors on why you know, why Abu Sayyab is expanding, you know, mm. despite the fact that they're, right now, I'm happy to tell you that uh, they are, um, you know, we, we keep on ever Decimating. since yes, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. the numbers keeps on, you know, uh, lowering down and lowering down. Right now, it's very low as compared to a few years ago. So, Three years ago, there was no division that was particularly installed in Sulu. But we have already, uh, in the time of the 30 administration, he has installed their 11th infantry division, a division that is particularly in charge of the problems of the Abu Sayyaf in Sulu. So here we have uh, recruited a lot of Tausug Muslims to join the armed forces of the Philippines because they, they are the locals, they know it better, the situation. And then right now, ma'am, I'm very happy to tell you that, you know, there are several barangays that have been declared as no man's land because they have mm-hmm. been, you know, um, an area of Abu Sayyaf. But right now, those 10 barangays have already been back to their barangays. So oh, we, we have barangay programs. Yes, ma'am. So, you know, right now, the popularity rate of the Abu Sayyaf is really down. And there yeah. had been no case, no reported case of, of kidnapping, especially, you know, international piracy, you know. No, yeah, and yeah, none yeah. Uh, as of any ma'am. No, no, no new report about it. So, but Captain Hana, you you followed the the discussions on my face Facebook posting, right? And did you find it weird that you would have Muslim leaders uh, protesting this uh, this law increasing the marriageable age and banning? Absolutely banning the, uh, the the marriage of um, of children, especially to old people. Yes, well, I would like to have a disclaimer here. Anything I say Personal. is not representative of, yes. yes, of the entire organization yes. that I'm working for. It would be my personal perspective as an educator, as a researcher, as a Tausug, as a Muslim. So that would be uh, how I would answer your question, ma'am. Personally, I find it sad. Yeah. That they are protesting a law that right. would protect children. 
Okay. But I can explain it to you scientifically. Why is it so? Oh, this is good. <laughs> science. Okay, science. So it's like this, mom. Uh, the thing about psych, you know, psychology and social anthropology, even though I am upset with how they reacted, I can still understand where they are coming from. So mm-hmm. these people who protested are from the uh, Muslim ethno-linguistic groups, Filipino mm-hmm. Muslim ethno-linguistic groups. And they are practicing child marriages. So mm-hmm. one, they are directly affected by it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, what people cannot understand is that not every Muslim ethno-linguistic groups are practicing Islam as pure as it should be. Okay? Mm. There are interpretations that is being merged with an individual and the society where it belongs. So from the, uh, from the social anthropological perspective, ma, let me explain how the diverging culture became a melting pot of understanding. So it's like this. Prior to Islamization of the Muslim Filipinos, they are an animist. That's why the majority of the practices of the Tausug, Maranao, Magindanao, all these 13 ethno-linguistic tribes that are Muslim okay, are actually very similar to animism and paganism. Mm. Until yes. today, we have cultural practices like the Panulakbala, wherein it's a, a tradition, a cultural tradition of the Tausug, you know, throwing off the bad omens into the That's sea. That's right. That's right. It's not Islamic. Yes, it is also not Islamic, but instead it is a shared culture between yep. the Indian tradition that came That's into the right. Philippines. That's right. So in the product of yes, evolution, it also evolved into something that they do now. So similarly, child marriage is like that. Okay? Yeah. It is something that has been passed down traditionally in culture, but not necessarily Islamic. In its but, purest set. Yeah. Okay? But, but but this is this the this is the thing, this is the thing, Hannah. Culture evolves. I mean, like like I noted in my post, it wasn't too long ago, like a, a generation ago, my father's generation, uh, his family still had slaves when he was a child. That was culture. Yeah. If yes, you uh, because we waged war, we had raids on uh, the Visayas communities. Those who were captured uh, by the raids became slaves. But when we became you know, part of the Philippine government, uh, democratic, uh, slavery was outlawed. And our cultures in Muslim Mindanao changed. And no more, no more slaves. So... How do you respond now to those uh, leaders of ours who use culture? Yeah, just because this is our culture, you you have to you know you have to uh, yes, support ma'am. Yes, ma'am. our culture because we are we are an autonomous region. What's your response to that? Actually, ma'am, I I feel that this discussion would have been way better if we have a lawyer with us. <laughs> from the National Commission on Indigenous People. Because it's something like this, ma'am. When we talk about the Muslim ethno-linguistic groups like Tauso, Manao, and Maguindanao, these three are the most, you know, the most uh, tribes that reacted on that. So yes. I did not hear much 
Yakan member or Asama member. But it's mostly nope, the Asama did not tribes. at all react. Yes, ma'am, right? So these three major tribes, what we need to understand within these tribes is that they have three distinct persona. Okay, so when I say persona, it's the characteristics. So each individual has different persona, like me. I am a soldier. I am a professor. I am a daughter. I am a Muslim. I am a sister. I am a lover to my fiancé, you know, something like that. So I play many roles. In the same manner, we should look at uh, Tausug Muslim Filipino into three distinct personality. Its ethnic identity is the tradition, the tribe. Its religious identity is Islam. And its national identity is its Filipino, its in being a Filipino citizen. Now, when these all identities overlaps into one collective individual, So when we try to understand why are they reacting that way, it is, and they're trying to use the, the culture card <laughs> actually and blending it with the religious card. It's wrong. So, so what do you tell? What do you tell members of your extended family, Hannah, who support child marriage? How do you convince them that You know, this is a part of culture that has to be changed, especially since the top religious leaders of the Muslim world are supporting uh, you know, the banning of child marriage. Muhammadiyah, Nadlatul Ulama in Indonesia, uh, Egypt's Al-Azhar yes, University has supported the banning of child marriage. So you're the psychologist. Walk me through it. What do you tell your cousins and nephews who say, no, it is our culture. We can marry children. What do you tell them, Anna? I actually, I can only speak for my tribe, for my, yeah. you know, my people. For the thousand people. I haven't engaged in a discussion with uh, Marina uh, right. about But uh, as far as my <laughs> people are concerned, yep. okay, I explain to them using science, ma'am. And mm. I believe that science is a universal language, regardless of culture, regardless of race, regardless of age, regardless of anything. Science is science, whether you agree on it or not. So I try to approach them in that manner. So I try to explain why, why people are banning child marriages. Mm -hmm. And the answer is very simple, ma'am. The brain of a child is not the same as an adult's brain. That's right. The child is Okay, in fact, the child does not have a fully developed prefrontal cortex, mm -hmm. which is the part of the brain responsible for higher critical thinking skills. It will only be fully developed at age 25. That's why, you know, when we look back, we tend to regret our decisions when we were the youth. When we were yeah, the when you were 18, right? We were a teenager because mm -hmm. at that time, the decision maker is not the prefrontal cortex, but the amygdala. The amygdala is the seat of emotion, especially fear and anger. So, mm. you know, that's why there are so many cases of child marriage, you know, batang ina, batang ama, you know, who tend to regret their decisions later on in life and they charge it to experience. We and then they divorce. Yes, because mom charged to experience it, but we cannot right. allow that to happen anymore. That's why parental guidance is very, very important. You cannot expect a child to decide for himself. The brain is not yet developed. Even the sexual reproductive system of that particular child is also not developed. That's why, you know, there are many cases of anemia, you know, sexually mm. transmitted disease. All those problems that are because he is not, she and he is not yet fully developed. Yes, there is already a reproductive system. But, you know, yeah. it's premature to use it that fast, you know. Let the child grow. Yeah. 
Oh, okay, Hannah. Here's here's another here's another question. Here's another question for you. What do you say to their argument that it's better to marry off these teenage girls so that they do not have premarital sex? What do you say to that argument? Which I find a ridiculous <laughs> argument, actually. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> Actually, that wouldn't really, you know, it's a first of all, <laughs> prevent. And so they're trying to say that it's the protection of the child. Yeah. To but, you know, yeah, it's, I, I really find it also a very funny question or a funny claim to say that marrying off would 100% guarantee that she will be protected in yeah. terms of virginity. So if the issue is, you know, protecting the virginity of the, the the girl or the daughters, then I feel that, you know, that is actually very discriminatory for women. And it's so empty that, you know, um, marrying her off at such an early age. I've read cases that as young as seven years old, mom. But according to them, they do not, you know, they do not have sex yet until 18 years old, until they reach that age. However, you know, they are already legally married at seven years old. Yeah. And like what I mentioned earlier, that seven-year-old girl and even the boy, is there a boy? They are children. They don't know what to do. So right. even though parents would guide them not to sleep together, you know, it's still not a guarantee that they won't. Okay? They can still do that. Because, you know, a, an adolescent would have raging hormones. It's part yeah. of their biology. It is something that is, you know, universal, regardless of culture, regardless of nationality. So it is something that, you know, would really need parental guidance without necessarily marrying them off. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then that's that's the... the they're taking away their liberty too... to choose their future partners their yeah. right to choose who they want to marry and who they want to love but yeah. when you do that with the attempt of taking care of them and yes saving their purity and stuff like that you are being such an authoritarian parent you know that is um controlling everything and it's it doesn't go well usually when it comes to the developmental psychology of these teenagers yeah so it will just cause more problems yes ma'am so there are, there, there, I, two, I see there are two things here there are two things here hannah um na differentiate natin so there are the group of teenagers with raging hormones and the parents say oh better to marry them off instead of their committing premarital sex so that's one group but I think the scarier group yes, is the group where a young girl, a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, is married off to a 70-year-old. Now, that is, that's yes. really disgusting, mm -hmm. right? So, yung, so, so what, do you, yes. you know, what do you do? And I, I have no idea which is the bigger group. Um, those teenagers who marry each other so that they don't have to have premarital sex. Or the number of children who are actually like sold so to old men. If you don't mind me jumping in. Yeah, please, Zina. And I'm fascinated by the fact that, Captain Hannah, right, you're with the military and you're doing this work. And I agree with what Amina said. I, I hope you respond to those questions. But I'm just thinking that, wow, the Philippines government, 
the military is taking such a proactive approach to this. I don't see this happening here. Well, not yet. Yeah, but over not to you. Not yet. <laughs> you, yes, can, you can borrow, you can borrow, Hannah. <laughs> yes, I'm actually like what I said, ma'am, this is uh, unconventional. This is uh, a very new effort from the armed forces of the Philippines, and we are still at the infancy stage. Because, you know, the problem with violent extremism is worldwide. It's not just a problem in the Philippines, but people are dying if we don't do something to prevent it. So, um, luckily, uh, there are a lot of uh, partners who want to support us. Um, international agencies who have... Uh, uh, express their support into this advocacy. So right now, it's still an advocacy, ma'am, but we're hoping that once the National Action Plan for Preventing and Countering Violent Extremism would be signed into an executive order, then everything else would be easier for us. Because right now, we do not have uh, something like the EO70, which is the whole-of-nation approach in ending local communist armed conflict. But that is local communist armed conflict, so that is only concerning the, nation, the, the new people's army. But as far as the political religious extremists are concerned, such as the Mauti group, the BIFF, the Abu Sayyaf group, we still do not have a law that would really, you know, give them a chance to be rehabilitated so that, you know, they will not be part of the vicious cycle of violence anymore. So we are still at the stage of proposing programs that we could do for rehabilitation, like terrorist rehabilitation programs, and also preventive programs that we would put down into the community level. So that is what our office is going to make, ma'am. <laughs> Yun po. The... Um the armed group of the Communist Party of the Philippines, the CPP, NPA, NDF. Have you noticed whether this issue of uh, child marriage is something that they practice or are they also against the, you know, the practice of child marriage? The CPP, NPA, NDF, ma'am, is kind of more liberal. So they don't want to follow the Philippine government rules and want to establish their own government, which is a communist one. Communist one, that is what they are advocating for. And because of that, they have rules that they um, they allow um, gay marriages, they allow all types of marriages, ma'am. So part of it is also child marriages. So when you allow to, it? Uh, do a field work in Surigao, ma'am, in Surigao, yes, ma'am, they, they have that and they do not, even subscribe to the Philippine law of, you know, of filing their marriage under PSA. They have mm -hmm. what they call the kasal sabala. They have their yeah. own, you know, yeah. ceremonies and stuff like that. And in that, in those places that I've visited that are, you know, with the new people's army, such as in Surigao, Agusan del Sur, Agusan del Norte, the eastern side of Mindanao, the ethnic population there, especially the Manobo tribe and other tribes that are, you know, collectively called as Lumad, although we're contesting the term Lumad because it is a foreign term mm. that was imposed uh -huh. by a foreign explorer in Eastern Mindanao tribes, they practice child marriage, ma'am. So they're also affected by that phenomenon. But I think one of the biggest explanations for that is because they see Maturity for them is when the child would have its menarch, and when yeah. the when the boy is already circum uh, circumcised. Yes, when he's already circumcised. So, why do they do that? Because they needed more people. So, more the more children. child, the more. 
manpower. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. More manpower for farming, more manpower for everything. More so, soldiers. More child, more blessing. That's why they do not practice any child control, you know. So it's one of the biggest problems in that area. So I think this problem with child marriage is really peculiar with the Muslim tribes. Yeah, and the indigenous peoples also practice it um, all over the country. That's that's really a problem. The child marriage is very common in the indigenous people. So as I explained earlier, ma'am, we really have to look at it on their identity. So since they have an ethnic identity and a religious identity at the same time, we need different agencies to intervene. We need the help of the National Commission on Indigenous People to, you know, to make it uh, to do an information drive that this law is already prohibited. I mean, this practice is already prohibited because once the uh, cultural, um, as indigenous people, we are given our IPRA, Indigenous Peoples' Rights Act. Mm -hmm. And part of it is to practice our own culture and tradition unless it supersedes with the legal Philippine law. And Hannah, unless it violates human rights and child rights child rights are very much part of uh, of human rights as well yes ma'am yes ma'am that's, that's why this is a uh, that that area had area prior to the signing of this law so i'm really very happy that president Duterte already signed it <laughs> because you know uh, right now even though they want to repel it uh, i i don't think that would really prosper ma'am yeah, that's not going to happen. But you know, thinking thinking back on the the culture uh, argument and also the the religious argument uh, that Islam allows it. And uh, Dina, tell me what you think also, because I argued that when when Islam came to us, it liberated women and protected uh, girls by by stopping uh, uh, the infanticide, uh, killing uh, girl babies. And also, during, those, uh, during that time, life expectancy was short. So if you were, uh, if you, a young woman, if a girl had already hit puberty, she could be marriageable because the family, the society, like what uh, Captain Hannah mentioned, they need more children. To, yeah. to to secure the, the family and the community. But today, life expectancy is long. So a child is, is a child. At 14, is still a child. And as, as Hannah was mentioning earlier, um, at, at 20, your brain is still not fully uh, formed. It's not yet an adult brain. So those those arguments can be used. I don't know what it's like in in Malaysia. Do they also use culture as a as an argument? They use that, you know. I mean, there have been debates where we say, look, we live in the twenty first century or twentieth. Things have changed so much from before, right? But then the counter argument would say would be that, oh yeah, that's why we have to do all this because things now are a little bit too open, too free. It, it's not, uh, you know, it's a very, very toxic situation if you are, you know, a victim of this. It's about the clash of cultures, the clash of, you know, the refusal of realizing that the world is very different now. 
uh, the clash of one's faith and beliefs. Uh, but I think, you know, that's something we should talk about, you know, like, how do you as a Muslim woman or a woman of faith juggle with contemporary issues? Mm. You want to do it, but you believe in this, and then you know you can't do that because, you know, it's wrong. But you also have certain beliefs that you have to adhere to. And I, I hope we discuss this. Oh, Amina, it's already got two over, you know. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Yeah, but there's there's so much more to to discuss about this, and you know we should have another conversation with uh, Captain Hannah about the research that that she has done, looking into the psychology and uh, the sociological impact of issues like this as it relates to the prevention of violent extremism. But uh, let's give the last word to Captain Hannah. Captain Hannah, do you have a, a message? For those who are listening to us, and by the way, by the way, Hannah, a majority, a big percentage of those who listen to us are very young. In fact, um, I saw these statistics from Spotify. It's uh, like at least fifteen percent of the listeners of She Talks Peace are teenagers, Hannah. So, what's your message for those who are listening to us? My message to our listeners is that you are part of the youth. You are, and I, I would define youth as using the WHO definition, youth is until 25. Although, like what I said, at 25 years old, you already have a fully matured brain. So I would already trust your critical thinking skills at that time. But if you're age if you're a minor, then you would really have to seek your parental guidance into the decisions that you are making. And I hope that person put you in a child marriage situation because if you find yourself into that situation, that means to say that you are being given a bad guidance. Okay, You are still a developed child. You have yet to reach your full potential. There is nothing wrong into graduating first, finishing your studies, having your own career first before you decide whether or not you would like to marry at any age that you like. It is your life. It is your body. You have the right over it. You should at least try to explain to your parents if they are forcing you into an arranged marriage, an arranged child marriage, that that is not something that is what you wish for for your life. And at the same time, it is not something that is purely Islamic because, you know, 
um, even Islamic countries such as Saudi Arabia already banned this. So that's my advice. Thank you so much, Hannah, for for that message. You know, Dina, this has been a, a heavy this uh, oh, discussion no. uh, oh. about about the need to to protect yeah. our children. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.